Hi, this is the Tempter Podcast, where we discuss embedded Linux, IoT development, and lots of other interesting things. Your hosts today are Kem Raj and Cliff Brake. Hi, Kem. How are you? Hey, Cliff. I'm great. I'm doing fine. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah, doing well. Another another great week. So, looking forward to learning lots about BSPs and discussing our experiences. Sure. Because really, this is what we do. We we get software running on devices and. So maybe we could start out with, uh, what is a BSP? Right, um, BSP um, is an acronym for Board Support Package. And uh, in embedded Linux context, um, BSPs are very uh, important because um, we run many embedded Linux on different devices, you know, different uh, single board computers or SOMs or other kind of devices, unlike any desktop or server operating systems are pretty much BSPs are common um, because your board is pretty much uh, specified. But in this case, we may have you know different architectures, different peripherals on them, um, different kind of um, uh, buses. And so what happens is uh, BSP then is a layer, if you will, in the software stack, which separates all the details for bringing up the board to the applications. Um, mm-hmm. And that piece of the platform software is roughly classified as the uh, um, board support package software. Right, okay. Yeah, that's that's a nice overview. So the board support package or the BSP just kind of abstracts maybe the hardware from the from the application layer, if you will. That's right, um, exactly. Yeah, okay. So maybe it would be helpful to just go over, at a, at a high level, what are some of the pieces of a BSP, just, just to get an idea what what's in there. Right, I think as you know, um, BSPs um, essentially, as we talked about, is the software that is closer to the hardware. Mm-hmm. So if you start from instruction zero, you know, you have uh, your boot ROM, which is essentially programmed into, you know, the the uh, chip itself. But then once boot ROM uh, starts, you know, the first thing it transfers control to is some sort of first, uh, first line software. You can call it like um, first stage bootloader or, you know, something of that name. Um, but overall, you know, this is your bootloader. Um, which essentially initializes the hardware, your memories, you know, uh, and make sure that uh, enough of hardware is initialized. And then it transfers the control to a higher level software, um, which is the Linux kernel. Uh, And then Linux kernel uh, takes the control over. It then initializes the full system, uh, including any peripherals or any uh, GPUs or any other kind of uh, uh, devices you have in them, um, which then, um, so you know, uh, Linux has the driver concept, which means you know every device uh, that is in there will have its driver. It will have a technique to detect it, initialize it using the driver. And then these drivers could actually be either inbuilt into Linux, which is like, you know, part of the Linux kernel itself, or these drivers could be provided by, you know, the device manufacturers and, you know, um, which could be uh, considered as external driver. Um, and so all that comes together and and brings up um, your system up. And uh, in addition to that, 
you also these are like primarily I would consider as you know major components uh, in in a typical embedded Linux BSP, but it's not limited to that because you know if you have FPGAs, uh, there will be FPGA programming tools, or there would be like bitstream generators, and you know they are also specific to these chip that you're working on. So they also become part of the BSP. Sure, right. And yeah. So there's there's quite a few pieces of a BSP. Mm-hmm. Where, where do BSPs, you mentioned, like a processor vendor may provide a BSP. But I'd like to kind of discuss, you know, where do BSPs come from, who uses BSPs, and just kind of understand the workflow when creating a product, right. how BSPs fit into that. Yeah, very good question, actually. Um, you know, I'll take, um, like, in the background of Yakto project, which is, that's what we use um, in, you know, our daily lives. Um, mm-hmm. Typically, even other uh, infrastructures that uh, build embedded Linux-based uh, systems, they have similar setups. So, you know, there will be a lot of um, lot of similarities that, you know, non-Yakto users can also relate to. And... Um, so in, in, in Yocto, what you will see is uh, it has a layered architecture. So, you know, you have your core layer, which basically provides you, you know, all the tools, compilers, and, you know, core, li- core set of libraries and, and so on. And, uh, and then it basically separates out the board support pieces out into a separate layer of its own. So you are really, uh, you can basically write your... Um, board support package software as an overlay uh, in in you know some common speak in yakta speak that is called a layer um, what then happens is um, if you add that layer to your layer mix uh, like a you know a layer of a cake um, and you have a new flavor and that is your bsp adds to the flavor so to give you an example say if you were to build for raspberry pi you check out Yocto project and, uh, you know, you may not find Raspberry Pi uh, as a default machine in there uh, as part of your core metadata because the core only has QMU-based, like, emulator machines and that's all, and maybe, you know, some reference boards probably. But then what you do is uh, there is a separate layer, which means a separate Git repository, uh, which adds all the board support pieces for Raspberry Pi-based machines. So you go, you check that layer out, and then you add it to your project. And then now you have uh, all the Raspberry Pi machines available to you. Mm-hmm. And this is the fundamental process that is used by um, then all different kind of machines that you would want to you know, build for. Uh, the beauty of this process is that you know, many times you might be just interested in dealing with one kind of machines, right? So you you want to have say just raspberry pi based machines because you only deal with raspberry pi 4 or raspberry pi 0 or something like that and you really don't worry about others so that's the only layer you take unlike some other places where you might have you know hundreds of machines in there and then you will confuse uh, yourself so there's an advantage to that um, mm-hmm. and it gives you that combination to pick from and you can also have multi-BSP setup. Like if you look at your distribution, uh, it has multi-BSP setup because we build for 
you know, some Freescale CPUs, some Raspberry Pi or some, um, you know, other Atmel and um, now microchip and base BSPs. So uh, you could have that a subset of BSPs added to your uh, uh, your distribution. So, you know, you can build multiple CPUs. Mm -hmm. um, so so Yocto provides a very modular approach where you just pull in layers for the for the particular processors you need. Mm -hmm. as as BSP layers. Yeah, and that's kind of neat because then you can have one one Yocto tree that supports several different products that may use several different processors. Yeah. But yeah, you don't you don't have hundreds of processors kind of polluting your build system or mm -hmm. crack or maybe I should say just making it kind of crowded or whatever. So Yeah. But there is a card note of caution there though. Um, mm -hmm. um what happens there is that um a lot of these BSPs you asked earlier, you know, who maintains them. And so they are written by the SOC vendors themselves. And of course, it's available to you on GitHub or some other, um, you know, uh, mechanism. But they do not test it in combination with another BSP. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, you might say, I need Meta Raspberry Pi and, you know, I also need Meta Rock Chip. Mm hmm but that combination, when you put it together, may in, infect each other in some different ways. And um, we'll talk about it, what those are, but you know, essentially uh, that should not happen as per Yocker project design, but invariably it, it does happen and it, it's something in note of caution. Yeah, so that's where a monolithic tree like build root where everything's in one tree, you would have less chance that you'd have clashes then between yeah, yeah. Yeah. So th those are trade-offs, right? Right. So this yeah. brings to mind like um, a little more complex scenario. We we use a lot of Verisite system on module, you mm. know, little boards that we plug into a baseboard. Mm. And and a lot of these use Vera or, uh, Freescale processors. I guess that's NXP now. Yeah. So it, it's interesting that one of those setups would have the the meta freescale BSP layer, and then it would also have a meta verisite layer that builds upon top of the freescale BSP to add some additional tweaks, you know, for their SOM modules. So BSPs mm. can can have multiple levels of people adding stuff to them to support all the hardware that that may be available. Yeah, I think that's a very good point, um, and I see it in a in a little bit, um, um, you know little bit this way that you have your 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 final boards or you know some sort of psalms you mentioned and then you have a, a, a um, what you can call like soc um you know a system on chip which is kind of a relation you can have like you have a full chip with everything defined that can go into a product and then you have the base architecture which could be imx or which could be you know uh, similarly, some other um, Exynos or something like that. So um, someone like NXP would support their reference boards, right? Which mm -hmm. would be a IMX6, IMX8, IMX7 like that. And um, they will support their reference boards, uh, but that, that's not something you're deploying in a real product. So it's actually mm -hmm. just the SOC that is sitting on those. So you will still need to make sure that, you know, the your product that you're designing, all all the the tweaks or differences it has to you know the standard board from NXP is is handled properly. Mm -hmm. um, 
And with Verisite, it is in the sim similar fashion where, you know, either you can consider it as this is your final, you know, like a, a device, you know, or it is kind of a based on a particular SOC, kind of a derivative of a SOC. Yeah. Just uh, to re recap a few things, a BSP, maybe the main pieces would be a U-boot recipe and, and a kernel recipe. So I, I often tell people that if, if you have good a good U-boot kernel, a good U-boot and good kernel sources for a particular piece of hardware, it's relatively straightforward to pull it into Yocto mm -hmm. because those really abstract the hardware pretty well. And, um, you know, if, if you have those two pieces, you can usually build up a decent board support package in, in Yocto. Mm -hmm. Of course, there, there's more other pieces that we can talk about in a little bit, but that's the basics yeah yeah that's fairly basic i think um, you know that you would need and it could be a, a bootloader of your choice say if you're not using uboot for whatever reason it could be a different bootloader yocto doesn't bind you to one or another however if you are using something like uboot then there is a lot of support for uboot in core Yocto, you know, in terms of creating fit images or, you know, the way the, because U-Boot is open source. Um, so a lot of contributors are helping there to make sure that, you know, all those pieces are, are intact. And um, so there is an advantage of doing that. So, you know, you would see that there is a abstraction, a U-Boot class um, that basically will give you all these um, services um, if you have a U-Boot-based bootloader. Right. So Yocto has a lot of pieces that help us, pieces that we can leverage for, for many different U-boot and kernel recipes. So, yeah, that's good. Right. So just think, thinking about this, there's probably a lot more people that use BSPs than create BSPs, I would assume, because most mm -hmm. BSPs, the, the bulk of the work is done by the system-on-chip vendor, whether mm -hmm. it be Broadcom or Freescale or, mm -hmm. or whoever. So then there's a whole bunch more people out, out there that actually use these BSPs to create products based on these processors. So just thinking from the from the user perspective, uh, what, what, what do we need in a BSP or what helps us use a BSP? So um, it's, a, it's a good question and it's very um, subjective at that point where it depends upon users quite a bit too. Some users are top-level users. So uh, to give an example, um, they are writing applications or writing a, a, you know, a sensor system or you know, they just uh, want to access video resources on a Raspberry Pi and, and they really don't care you know, which kernel version it is or you know, what kind of... Um, um, other part of the systems there are. Mm -hmm. For them, it's very important that BSP works out of the box, boots yeah. the system, gets them onto the, uh, you know, if it is a graphical system, then gets them to the graphical system or console or what have you. Um, for them, it should appear like a PC, you know, like mm -hmm. they, they have, as if they were accessing an Linux system like a desktop system. Um, if anything changes there, they get very confused. Yeah. And, you know, so that's basically a bad mark on BSP at that point that, hey, you know, um, a simple example could be what are your default graphics drivers, right? So again, I'll pick on Raspberry Pi. 
uh, it has like a closed source user land graphics driver or you know it has a mess up based v3d driver so now it's up to the bsp to give you an option that is your default right they may test both they may try both but then which one do you offer as a default uh, will also have an impression on your bsp's quality in minds of you know such users um then there's another uh, set of uh, users who basically want to enhance it, which means that they might add a hat or a, a, a peripheral that you know they need to add a few tweaks to enable it onto the base PSP. They are looking for documentation, right? So they are looking for how do I do this, right? How do I maybe change the default configuration for the kernel to enable additional drivers? Or they may say, um, how do I, you know, enable I squared C? Or, you know, is there any settings that I have to do in bootloader to, you know, disable, enable some GPIO pins? Or, you know, do I have to write additional uh, device tree overlay? You know, what are the ways that the BSP exposes itself uh, to its, um, you know, I would call them more like a BSP developer users. So they are like more like power users at that point. Um, right. See, the other users of BSPs are distribution builders. So distribution builders are looking for how common are you with uh, other BSPs, you know, in terms of um, do you support, what kind of file systems do you support, or, you know, what kind of graphic systems do you support, and what kind of init systems will work on you. And um, so they are looking at those, those aspects of the system, which mm -hmm. are more like, you know, at a policy level, they are defined as distribution features, but at certain point they intersect with the um, with the machine features. You know that uh, board will have. Sure. So that that's very interesting to to think about three different types of users, and from my perspective, where I've I've spent most of my time building products based on embedded Linux, we spend most of our time at the application and user space level. Mm -hmm. when we're building a product you know the bsp it's best if that just works and and, and really gets out of our way and yeah i think it becomes invisible so after you know you might we might tweak a few gpio settings in the device tree mm -hmm. we might change the kernel config but typically that's that's kind of the standard stuff we might add a custom linux driver kernel driver Mm -hmm. So th those are the types of BSP modifications I typically see when we're building product. Mm -hmm. But again, that, that's only a small piece of the, the total development effort. So I think it's really important for BSP vendors to understand that they're just a small piece in this stack of software required to make a product. Absolutely. And, I, and I think sometimes BSP vendors maybe don't keep the, the user needs first in their mind and, and kind of get that backwards and kind of think the BSP is the main part of the system. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, really yeah. people building products, they're, they're not spending a lot of time in the BSP. That's, that's just kind of a necessary piece that we build on top of. Yeah. That's the key piece you said at, at the very end that, um, it's, it's a key piece that you need to have. And it's not the crown jewel at that point of time that, you know, if you look at the final products that people are kind of putting out there, then it's an enabler for them. Mm -hmm. 
So right. if you are writing a BSP, that is the correct mindset to have. It's right. about enabling your customers to use your chips in best possible ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it could be that, say, um, you know, you have a certain hardware piece, how best you can expose it to the user, how easily the user can use it. You know, that is the key piece for a BSP maintainer. So yeah. you can have a library underneath and then expose that through interfaces. And all the detail and the beauty of your code and optimized version of your code could live in that library. And that's totally fine. But mm -hmm. um, you have to think from the user's perspective that is, is the end user going to benefit from it? Uh, or are you creating something that that's going to be a step aside for the developer uh, and sure. then, you know, use your BSP. So a typical example I can give is, you know, there are the standard interfaces for OpenGL, for example. So yeah, you might have some nice implementation in your, uh, you know, GPU that would give them, you know, additional benefits, but then it'll be important that you comply to the OpenGL specifications to expose those interfaces rather than invent your own. And then ask developers to program for that, um, for example. So standardize where it can, use those standards to expose you know, your BSPs um, bells and whistles rather than inventing your own. And that's very, very important because you might be having an user who is coming from a legacy of uh, applications that have been working on something else. And the chances of it being on, say, some sort of OpenGL are very high. So it makes their life so easy. And they will love your BSPs because, you know, they say, hey, I didn't do much work, you know, and it just worked here. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an excellent example. And as, as we kind of think about the qualities of, of good BSPs and the experiences we've had, mm -hmm. One thing that really comes to mind is a BSP should stand, be able to stand alone. You should be able to take that meta whatever, you know, meta Freescale or meta Raspberry Pi or meta AM Logic or, or whatever whatever your BSP supports. You should be able to drop that into any Yocto build mm -hmm. and, and it, should, it should pretty much work without a lot of extra stuff around it required to prop up this BSP. Right. And and what that does is is it allows your BSP to easily plug into your customer's build system how they choose to set it up. Yeah. Because again, your BSP is just one piece and your customer may be using uh several BSPs mm -hmm. in, in their in their development. And uh, yeah. one one thing I see in, in some of these BSPs is they try to provide the whole Yocto build. They kind of come up with what they think is a better way to do Yocto builds. But details of the BSP then leak out into maybe the mm -hmm. the entire build, where mm -hmm. where the BSP requires special files to be generated and and so on. Right. And um, and then this makes it very difficult to apply that BSP in, into an existing Yocto build system. That's an excellent so. point. Very very good point. And you rightly mentioned you know, where the end user might be building a product that is using multiple BSP. And that's a very common setup. I can certify to that. I've worked in many companies and that has been always the case. 
in 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 uh, one of the products we had a bsp based on powerpc uh, mips uh, and x86 all three systems going into a same system right wow so now you can think of this you are building like three different images or maybe four different images in fact if depending upon what kind of line card you have you might have you know a different uh, soc on it um so now when you are building a software for this whole system you are building not one but all of them together mm-hmm. right so you have multiple images that you are building together so one of the things that they use yocto for is the this horizontal scale because they say hey i can use same tooling um to give me you know this complex um firmware uh, system put together and now if you say no here is our sdk which is basically whole yocto bundled into something right then i have seen uh, some of the end users build this differently they are building like you know four five different kind of yocto builds and then cobbling up their own system on top to you know basically extract the images and then do something that they have to do for their final packaging and so on. so it's a very clunky system and they their engineers are very sad because you know think from their perspective right so yeah. they have written a piece of software in the middle which needs to be tested on each one of them in many cases mm-hmm. you are lucky if your software is only meant for one line card or something then you know you can just stay there and test it out but think of if it is to sit on all the systems how how does that uh, test work you know it's it's very complex um so so as a bsp writer it's very important for you to realize your place in that kind of ecosystem yeah. and uh, add value there you know uh, i can think today if a bsp owner comes in and says yeah my bsp is is a uh, is a multi tenancy friendly so you know you can have another bsp in here i know that my bsp will work we test that kind of scenario and they may not test it with all the you know zillion bsps out there but as long as they test it with one or two 99% of issues are handled right so if they can ensure that to their end user and say yes we do have a distribution you know for our own internal testing but in order for you to put together you know you could take our layer you know or our bsp layer stitch it into like yocto release whatever right to 3.1 or what have you and what comes out will be exactly what we can support you on right yeah that's excellent you know spoken from the voice of experience working on many different products and yeah you know, and and maintaining a lot of the octo stuff so yeah that's real good so one other thing i really appreciate when when vendors provide bsps is they also provide git repos for their uboot and linux mm-hmm. kernel source and and that way if we have to tweak the linux kernel source we can we can fork their linux kernel their uboot source we can make our tweaks and then just tweak the recipes in the bsp to simply point at our repos instead of the Mm-hmm. the vendor vendors repos or even upstream repos and then that makes it very easy for us to customize the bsp mm-hmm. what what we don't want to see is like um what one thing i've i've run into recently is, is a vendor providing yocto support in the form of a huge tarball that you download and it has like everything in it mm. and and they don't have git repos public git repos set up for their linux and uboot sources so then you have to dig through this you know 10 gigabyte or 20 gigabyte tarball of 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 like a yocto build 
someone scraped off their workstation and try to find the Linux sources and then figure out how to get them back into Git so you can maintain your changes on top of them. Right. And that's that really makes it hard. And I, I know BSP vendors have good intentions and they think they're making it easy by providing the whole thing as a canned canned mm. build. And and some of them have even told me they're trying to try to reduce their support costs because if everyone's setting things up from scratch, it, some of the support can come back on the BSP vendor. Mm. Yeah, but, I think that's true. What I think is that by providing shared history of your sources mm-hmm. is actually making your life a lot easier than you would think uh, when it comes to supporting you or when it comes to supporting your customer. Because um, especially with, with Git, there is a, a lot of history that is, you know, in say, take an example of say you were sharing your kernel tree as Git repository. And so the end user would be able to look through and then say, do I have this fix already? Or do I don't have this fix already? Exactly. Uh, they can basically, the support that will come back to you will be a quality support, which means they will right. come back to you informed uh, about this is the issue that I need to solve and I need your help. Uh, rather than, you know, if you give them a blob, they'll give you a blob back. And that's going to be, you know, a too much of to and fro and, you know, not a happy relation in the end, uh, you know, because the problem solved, I mean, the problem will be solved in the end one way or another, but it's the experience of solving the problem that will be left after taste and that will continue your business, business relations or other things, you know, in future. And it's very important to have that piece to be more plausible. Yes, that's an excellent point. Yeah, these, these are all great great thoughts and um you know we should really probably put this together as like a summary blog post or something but mm-hmm. so yeah, what are I, some exa- go ahead i'm sorry yeah so i was thinking that you know um we do have our handbook that we uh, publish for uh, and that you have started actually and you know it mm-hmm. could be a part of our um, handbook as well um sure. as <laughs> part of you know a standard chapter on bsp development or something like that yeah yocto BSP best practices or something, yeah. So what what are some examples of platforms that have good BSPs? You know, things, ones that you've seen that are well done and easy to integrate into multiple mm-hmm. different systems. And Yeah, so um, I think um, I wouldn't kind of like uh, call out many, many names out there with good or bad, but, um, you know, a few of those that integrate well uh, are the key pieces that we look for is, you know, I work with Meta Raspberry Pi and it's always a pleasant experience to work with Meta Raspberry Pi sure. for two reasons. One is that it always builds. Mm-hmm. And if there's a build failure, more often than not, you know, it is something else. It's not Meta Raspberry Pi's problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a very good experience to have when, um, you know, you're doing something like that. So I really, I highly appreciate the, you know, the amount of effort that, Meta Raspberry Pi puts in to make sure you know the pieces are uh, are moving in tandem. The other aspect of uh, Raspberry Pi uh, is that you know it can fit in into multiple BSP setup. Yes. So, and it's very important also because you know nowadays you know people start with Raspberry Pi right and they do their experiments and you know they say ah yeah and now I can go and build my real product. Mm-hmm. So, but they still want to keep Raspberry Pi builds and Raspberry Pi you know 
implementation um, going because it's so easy for them to continue or as a development platform. Right. So it's an easy way for them to transition to something else that, you know, maybe a custom chip um, that they're building and everything, but then they can keep the Raspberry Pi attached to it and then they can do all their validations. So it's very important for them to live in a multi-BSP environment. And um, I think the other thing they do um, uh, really well is um, they use this concept of dynamic layers. So um, what happens is, you know, in many cases, there are certain pieces of the software from user space like GStreamer or others, where invariably you will have some SOC-specific plugins or SOC-specific optimizations. And GStreamer is a generic framework, but then how do you, you know, make sure that the pieces that you want to, you know, provide like optimized versions or maybe enable certain things for just Raspberry Pi. How do you do that effectively so that, you know, you really don't touch other pieces out there. So, you know, they, they manage that quite beautifully using dynamic layers and using the uh, Raspberry Pi specific overrides. So for example, say, you know, GStreamer has uh, enabled Raspberry Pi plugin support or something, which will enable you know the nice codecs and everything underneath. They will enable it when you use Raspberry Pi, right? So they will not enable it otherwise. So what happens is if you're building for say Freescale something, then you know it doesn't inject itself in there. But when you're building for RPi3 or RPi4, then you will get those you know changes built in. I see. So that's that's very, very interesting because we've had experiences in the past where one BSP layer will globally modify files mm-hmm. and then mess up another BSP. So that so occasionally we'll see a clash, but it sounds like the Raspberry Pi layer has really done this nicely so you don't get clashes between BSPs. Yeah, exactly. And that's okay. very important to understand your place that we were talking about earlier, that yes, we we have to live together, you know, with other citizens of the society. <laughs> <laughs> These are universal concepts, aren't they? You know, it's, they are. We have Indeed. to get along. Yep. So, um, so yeah, I think, um, you know, there are many others and I, I think, uh, Meta Atmel, which is, you know, they started with Atmel and then is microchip now. They, they also do a very good job. Um, although, you know, you know, they, they have come along a, a, a long way. So one of the aspects that you would find with BSP layers was that they would take a release and their master would be following that release. So, you know, they would take a Yocto release and then treat their layer, uh, their layer's master working with this release as golden. But what happens is development moves to the master in Yocto, right? And then, um, so they would say, well, use same master of their layer with both of them. doesn't work nicely. I mean, it does work to a certain extent, but you have to put effort to it. So they were like uh, very um, in that uh, mode for some time before they st- started maintaining master. Mm-hmm. So it's highly recommended that, you know, if you're a BSP writer, then always follow the trunk. Uh, and then whenever there's a release made, maybe tag your BSP or or create a branch for your BSP, however you yeah. want. But it's absolutely key that, you know, you follow the master. Yes, that's 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 good. And and I, like you said, to create tags and branches, that's that's nice as well so that people can check out the correct version of your BSP for whatever version of Yocta they're using. Mm-hmm. 
so so both of those things are very key to having a BSP that's friendly to use and mm -hmm. and uh, on the other side I've seen some BSPs where you know they have like distribution policies as part of a BSP sure right they have uh, many different layers underneath you know which are doing iffy things mm -hmm. um, with common packages Again, they are doing it good for themselves where they are separating those under sub layers, but they are making it harder for their end users because you know they may be using multiple layers and your common layer will conflict mm -hmm. <laughs> with right. the other BSP. So, so a recommendation I have there is that always have a test scenario where you bring in another BSP layer and build their images and see whether you know there is anything wrong sure. happening. And like you said, the Meta Raspberry Pi is a good one to pull into your test builds mm -hmm. and just make sure everybody's happy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I think um, the one other uh, issue that you know usually falls under BSP, you would say to a certain extent, is uh, you know, or we have seen is packaging, because what happens is mostly your memory maps are kind of uh, you know, or sample memory maps. Uh, templates are designed by the SOC vendors for their reference platforms, and then the real product guys kind of build upon top of that, and then they, just, they start using that. And so what you end up doing is you end up creating this custom create SD card or whatnot, and mm -hmm. you know that script. Um, I recommend to use the WIC, which is you know the Yocto's uh, image creator. So instead of going towards this approach where you know you want to build some some write your own class or write your own script or what have you to generate these images see whether you can leverage week for example creating your final image a you will be commonly known technology b uh, it's a lot less work because week is all maintained by octo project mm -hmm. right so you will just maintain your your week um, uh, you know, image uh, recipe, rather, yeah, uh, your week template, and then you'll be good to go. Yeah, yeah, that, that's an excellent point, and I, and I would suggest that anytime you find yourself writing scripts in a BSP, like outside the the context of a traditional recipe or traditional Yocto tooling, you you need to re really think hard about that. Is is this really necessary? Because what what you're doing is implementing a non-standard piece of the build mm -hmm. that will be very difficult for people to to use your BSP then without doing a lot of digging and debugging and 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 these scripts they they start simple and they seem kind of innocuous but I've been through this enough times where it's just never pleasant so mm -hmm. and one bad thing that I another I've seen in some cases is they fork major components. Oh, mm -hmm. you know, so um, we talked about kernel and bootloader, and that's great. You you fork them, and you know they are specific to your BSP. But mm -hmm. there is no point of forking GStreamer. You know, there is uh, <laughs> no no point of forking GCC for that matter. Right. Uh, so there are examples where you know the toolchain is also forked in BSPs, um, and those are really bad settings, in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. You know, to to start off. So yeah, um, good point. And uh, one another thing that I saw, in, and I think you know, as a maintainer of MetaRis Five, you know, I I follow that too. Is pose upstream, right? So see how can I get rid of this thing from my layer. Mm -hmm. 
You know? yeah. So a typical example is say, you know, we have to carry a patch for kernel um, to support RISC-5 32-bit. So I would start reaching out to, you know, Linux Yocto uh, maintainer and say, hey, can you take this patch? And then if, uh, you know, the Linux Yocto maintainer says, yeah, fine, I can take it. I will just happily give it to him yeah. and then, uh, you know, remove it from my layer. And that's probably, you know, throughout the RISC-5 community, but at least in here, we take those patches and we send them to the respective upstreams, whether it is the kernel or is it U-boot or any other component. We don't want to home the projects, you know, patches in here, always posing upstream. And they may reject it. They may say, not now, maybe later. And, you know, so we still have patches in there, but that's not their permanent place. So that mindset is very important. I mean, I think it's very helpful uh, where, you know, you're looking at and you're asking, hmm, why is this GDB patch still here? Yeah. You know, can I send it upstream? And you see that next day they apply it. <laughs> and, you know, you have gotten rid of one patch that you were doing in or something like that. So I I also look at the quality of the layer by looking at number of patches that they're carrying. Yeah. Small is good, right? I mm -hmm. mean, it, it's kind of counterintuitive, but the less stuff you have in a BSP layer, that means yep. the maintainers have been doing a good job of pushing stuff mm -hmm. upstream. And, um, you know, that takes a little more work short term, but long term, you know, you're pushing loads of work off on other people. And that's mm -hmm. really better for everyone. So, And it invites your, uh, it invites a lot more users, um, whether you um, notice it or not. But, um, when the, your changes are moving upstream, that becomes more common to a larger set of people. So as a result, you have a good chance of building your community a bit better and get more users by doing this. Sure. This has been a lot of, a lot of great ideas. Anything else that comes to mind, Kim, about BSPs? And, yeah, uh, I think um, BSPs are key, you know, um, in, in a sense, um, and it's very, very important that these BSPs are well-oiled. Mm -hmm. And um, more importantly, they are um, easy to integrate yeah. um, in, in end-user settings in, in, in different distributions. Uh, Yocto Project has a, has a program where you, know, you can get the badges for Yocto Compatible. The program actually has certain test suites that you know you can run on your BSP, and I would think that's a good starting point for a BSP layer to you know introspect and see how they are doing. It may not be covering all the things that we talked about, but it will give you a a good set of things to work on, you know, uh, to make your BSP uh, a high high quality and high class. Excellent. Very good. And I'll put in one more plug for the Yo distribution. We main, we uh, carry quite a few different BSPs in the Yo distribution, and we sometimes have to do a little extra work to make them play together. But, you know, if you have a BSP and you, and you want a good distribution to support your BSP, consider the Yo distribution. A lot of good ideas there, and it's, it's meant to contains all this knowledge we've learned over many years could be a help to your BSP and make it easier to use for your customers. Absolutely, yes. Your distribution way to go. And no. um, we actually helped a lot of these BSPs to become multi-tenant. Sure.
this has been a great discussion. And if, if you would like to discuss these ideas more, feel free to visit our community over at tempdir.org or contact us directly or on the GitHub projects. We, we welcome feedback or any communication. Anything else today, Kim? No, that's, uh, it was a great discussion. And I think, uh, you know, uh, if uh, listeners want to hear more, we can do uh, uh, Yocto BSP part two. Yes, uh, there's lots more we can talk about. So, yeah. Okay. Well, until next time, take care. Take care.